Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church in Jersey. Have you seen a film that came out recently called The Darkest Hour? Anybody, just pop your hand up. It's about Winston Churchill and, and World War II. I found it so interesting. Um, it was a film set in World War II um, around 1940-ish. Um, the Germans had, and Adolf Hitler and Nazi Germany had been rapidly advancing through Europe. Uh, they, by all accounts, looked like an unstoppable force. Uh, France, just across the water from us and from Britain, uh, had fallen. And there were many within the English government who thought the best course of action would be to go into peace talks and surrender with Germany. Um, the future looked really bleak for Europe. It looked really bleak for Britain. Um, and it was a, a really, really difficult time. And it was kind of into that stage that Winston Churchill came to the front. Uh, Neville Chamberlain had uh, just resigned and the rest of the Conservative Party had said, we want Winston Churchill to leave. And I really kind of felt for Winston Churchill because through the film, you really get this idea that he wasn't a perfect man by any means. And he was surrounded by people who were trying to undermine his success as a prime minister in the midst of the difficulty that there was already. They were, they were really waiting for him to fail. They were, they were trying subversively to get to oust him. Um, and so it was in this stage that he was trying to do the job of prime minister. And as I said earlier on, he was not uh, a likely hero, if you will. Um, some had described him as gloriously unfit for office. I'm sure that there are people in the world today who some might say are the same. And uh, he was a remarkable man in those circumstances because somehow um, he managed to rally a nation around him. If you understood the story a bit more, you, you'd really understand the meaning. You know, during World War I, Winston Churchill had, had spearheaded what was known as the Gallipoli Campaign, which was initially a naval campaign that kind of faltered when a number of battleships were, were sunk and were damaged. And then it became a land invasion, which didn't go well. And it ended in... Uh, a retreat really and as a result of it now listen I know sometimes we're super critical of people who lead us as a nation but someone like Winston Churchill had been involved in leading that and as a result of it now 250,000 allied forces had been casualties and 46,000 had died imagine yourself in that position having to be the one to make those decisions and having to put your hand up at times and say, actually, I made a wrong decision. Imagine yourself now as Winston Churchill being called upon to lead Britain in their darkest hour and lead Europe and the Allied forces in many ways, knowing that there were people who were questioning your ability as a person and as a prime minister, looking back at a massive failure that you had led, right? That's why I think he's remarkable. Because somehow, in spite of all of that, he managed to rally a downheartened, fearful nation around him to fight on to an amazing 
victory. You know, we today, whether we like Winston Churchill or not, we have the freedom that we have because of a, a role that he played in the big picture. And we can point fingers, but at the end of the day, we are where we are. And so I felt quite impressed by his life and what he'd managed to achieve. And he was quite well known, and you pick this up through the film, that he was a really good speaker. And uh, he is credited with a number of great quotes. But at the end of the film, there was something that really struck a chord with me. And it was, it was a quote that came up that says, success is not final. Failure is not fatal. It's the courage to continue that counts. And I thought that really typified something about Winston Churchill. He wasn't brilliant in some regards, but he had the courage to continue. And I want to use that quote today as I get going to kind of break down four main ideas in regards to where we're going to go and what I want to speak about. The first is, and we've been talking about this, it's been the theme that's been coming through heavily through this Furniture and Fire series, is that God wants to work in synergy. He wants to work with us to achieve his will in the earth. That is something that we want you, and we are also trying to come to terms with as people, is that God's plan is us. God wants to work with his people to achieve his purposes in the earth, right? Just, just remember that. If that's one thing that you go with away from this series is that God wants to use you. He doesn't have a plan B, as others have said. We are plan A, and that's his only plan. The second point that I really wanted to kind of get out of this quote, and as we progress today, is that there are a second and third point, there are a couple of dangers that you and I can fall into. The first danger is that we experience some success in life. And it may have come quite easily, or it may have come through real struggle, but we persevered and we succeeded. And we reach a point where we go, <sighs> and what we do is we rest on our laurels. Maybe a little bit of pride subconsciously comes up in us and inside we put up our hand and we say, I've done my part and I'm gonna sit back now, right? That's a danger. Because in God's economy, we don't retire. <laughs> no matter what age we are, there's always something else that God's calling us to do. If you, if you watch politicians, their victories within their, year, their terms of power are very short-lived because there's always something after. You know? So the first danger is that we experience some success and we rest on our laurels. And we cannot because there's more to be done. And we don't retire, amen? The, the second danger, my third kind of main idea, is that we experience failure. And if you know people, for some it's easy to brush off. For others, it is deeply difficult to move on from. Uh, if you've put yourself out there and you've failed, it's not great for you. If you're one of those people that's very 
introverted and questioning. Uh, and the danger is that what happens is fear rises up inside of us. So it's not pride now. What I'm talking about is fear. Fear of my past failure. Fear of what might come against me in the future. So I'm not going to put my hand up and be counted because I'm afraid of what might come that I might fail. Someone once said that the only people who never fail are the ones behind a keyboard on Facebook. No, that's not what they said. <clears throat> the only ones who never fail are the ones who never tried. Amen? We're all going to fail. So somehow we need to get used to the idea so that we can brush it off and move on. And the fourth point really that I wanted to make, understanding that God wants to work in synergy with us. One of the dangers that we fail is a little bit of success. Another one of the dangers that we face is failure. And my fourth point really is the main point is that God wants us to be fully engaged all the time. Doing what he's got us to do now. What's in front of us right now. God wants us to keep working, to keep going, to keep pushing on, even when it is the darkest moment in our lives. Even when we seem to be receiving the adulation of those around us and we think we've succeeded. We must keep moving forward. And so the title of my sermon today is Persistent Progress. Um, and if you want to, I tried to create a little phrase and it's got five P's in it. So this is how it goes. Patiently pursue, say it with me, patiently pursue the process of persistent progress. And essentially the idea is, even if you are not running, but you are crawling, you're moving forward. Amen? And that's what God's calling us to. So let's turn to the book of 2 Peter, chapter 1. And I'm going to read from verse 1. You can uh, follow along on the screen above. Uh, verse 1 begins in chapter 1 of 2 Peter. Simon Peter... He's the writer, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ to those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ have received a faith as precious as ours. So Peter's writing and he's writing to Christians who have received what he describes, and this is an interesting term, a precious faith. I want to ask you today, is your faith precious to you, or is it ritual, right? He says, grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us everything that we need for a godly life. Through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these he has given us his very great and precious, there's that word again, precious promises, so that through them you and I may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world 
caused by evil desires. He goes on in verse 5. For this very reason, make every effort. Please say that with me. Make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection, or some versions would have talked about brotherly kindness, and to mutual affection, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, say that with me, increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past, or if you wanted to paraphrase that, forgetting that they owe a debt of gratitude. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort. Just say that with me again. Make every effort to confirm, or another way of saying it would be reaffirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble, and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He goes on to say it again. So, I will always remind you. It's important that you understand here, he's not speaking to people who have never heard this before. They know this. Peter is just bringing it back to the surface. He says, so I will always remind you of these things, even though you know them and you are firmly established in the truth that you now have. I think it is right to refresh your memory as long as I live in the tent of this body. We're going to leave it there. So, if I can, if I can distill this passage down into one verse or, or, or one idea, it is, and as Peter says, he's telling us all that he says, if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive. Ineffective, maybe because you've become proud and you've sat down. Unproductive, perhaps because you are fearful and you have become barren spiritually. So, the first idea, that word ineffective, means lazy. I can bet you my bottom dollar that according to the law of averages, some of us here today are being spiritually lazy. And as you're sitting there listening to the sound of my voice, you may be feeling uncomfortable right now. Because God is saying, he's talking about you. Elbow the person next to you. Look at them and say, he's talking about you. <laughs> That's the word ineffective. The word unproductive, as I said already, is that word barren. There's no spiritual fruit hanging on the branches of your life. Fear has taken a grip of you, and all your decisions 
in living for the Lord are made out of fear. And can I at the start, or in the middle of my sermon, say that fear must never be the motivating force behind any decision that you make. <clears throat> faith is what God calls us to live by. We live by faith. So every decision that you make must be driven by a faith that you either have or you don't. Never because you are afraid. Fear is not from God. Amen? Amen? And so let me challenge you there with that little thought. Fear, if you're living in fear in your life, please take time to ask someone to help you and pray with you and talk with you why you live in fear because that's not God's best for you and he doesn't want you to stay there. So, laziness and barrenness. God does not want us to fall into that state. He wants us to uh, increasingly be effective in our lives lived for him. So if we boil that whole scripture down, Peter is writing all of this because he wants to say, guys, this is not acceptable. This is not our uh, position in the Lord. We're called to keep growing and keep advancing. So what I'd like to do, please, if I can, is I, I thought it would be great if I highlighted a few key phrases or words, and we've kind of done it a little bit here, where, which are repeated. You know when something's repeated, it's because it's important. And so I want to look at some of these words and some of these phrases that have been repeated because I think they're going to help challenge us out of complacency or out of a, a fruitlessness. All right. The first word is through. That word through is used four times in the first few verses. And I don't know if, if you'll agree with me. I think that our culture is a shortcut culture. We live in a culture where we want instant results. We don't want to go through a thing to get to a place. We want God to parachute us in there. Amen? I don't want to go through any valleys in life. I just want you to parachute me into the other side, Lord. And that's why I talk about this idea of process in that little phrase that I got you to repeat. What was it? Patiently pursue the process of persistent progress. God is a God of through. God takes us through life. God grows our character through our experiences and through the situations. He builds us through all of that. And so the first thing that I really want to say to us today is... God's taking us through a thing to get us to the place where he wants us to be and to get us to a position where we can be more effective for him. If we just parachuted in behind enemy lines, secretly and covertly, we'd be lacking. And God's trying to build us. Amen. So let me talk to you a, a few things where God's talking about, uh, Peter's talking about us going through. Um, we get access to God's grace and peace. Or hands up if you want grace and peace in your life. Have you ever prayed, God, please just give me your peace. Just give me your grace. Just drop it right on me now, Lord. I'm waiting. I'm ready when you are. Any time. The Bible says, and Peter says, that we gain that peace and that grace through our knowledge. And if you aren't learning, you aren't going to get grace and peace. The second through, we access his divine power because this is massive. His divine power has given us everything we need for life 
and godliness. Just that is a big theme moment in terms of the content of what we're preaching through this series. We've been talking about the Holy Spirit, amen? He's not up there dipping down every now and again. He's here. And I'll talk a bit more about that a bit later. But we access God's divine power through knowledge. If you are experiencing a lack of evidence of God's power in your life right now, I can bet your bottom dollar your knowledge is faulty. You are missing something in your understanding of how God works and what He wants for you. Alright? Uh, the third thing, we gain access to His great and precious promises through his own glory and goodness, or we can paraphrase that to the word grace. Some of you are fighting to get access to all of these precious promises in your own effort, and actually it's a gift of grace, and we need to come humbly before the Lord, not proudfully, in our own strength. The fourth through that I want to talk about is that we access his divine nature through obeying those great and precious promises. How many of you have ever prayed a prayer, Lord, just change my heart right now. Do it, Lord. Change me. Make me new in this moment. But actually, we access gradual change as we implement His Word in our lives. It's important that we understand this because I'm guilty. I'm going to put my hand up and say, I am guilty of praying prayers where I'm waiting for God to do His thing. And he said he's done it, or he's put the power in me, and actually all I need to do is put my hands on the steering wheel and put my foot on the accelerator. I'm sat in the car with the hands in my lap, and I'm saying, Lord, I'm ready. Do it, God. And I've forgotten that God wants to work with me, not around me, not apart from me. He wants to work with me. So if I know God's promises to me, then through them I can access his divine nature and I can grow. So that's the word through. If you are in a difficult time and you are longing and hoping for resolution in, of situations in your life, God's probably calling you through it. He's probably leading you on He's probably gracing you, moment by moment, day by day, bit by bit, so you can work through to come to the other side. I really also want to talk about this idea of the knowledge of God. A number of times Peter mentions it, and I, I, we have to understand this. If our knowledge is not precise and correct, and that's what Peter's, if you, if you look at that word knowledge, it's not just any knowledge. It's not just taking in what someone said who is a bit clueless, really. Who thinks they have phenomenal theology, but actually it's really broken somewhere. It's the correct and it's the precise knowledge of God. Of His ways, of His plans, of His power that unlock our willingness and our response to engage with God. And as Greg's been talking about, how we align the furniture of our lives. Our knowledge is important. So can I just say, we never stop learning. And can I just plug this Tuesdays at Cooper's thing that's coming up? 
where we can get training and knowledge and understanding so that we can apply it to our lives and begin to see peace and grace at work in our lives. To see His divine power rushing through us and in us into the lives of the people around us. It often begins with a bit of knowledge. And the last phrase that I wanted to just highlight as I continue. This idea that He has given us everything. Jesus has done it. He's finished it. He, he paid for your sin once and for all. You know, you're free. There's nothing that you can add to that. But secondly, He's left His Holy Spirit, not just around, but inside of you. The, the glory of God. The Bible talks about the power that raised Jesus from the dead. A lifeless, cold, blue-fleshed body. That power lives in you. God has made you his home. And our Old Testament theology was we would pray, 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 and the power of God would come on us and we would do a thing and then the power would lift off. Or, or we would pray, 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 and the power of God would come down on a place and achieve something and then he would retreat again. New Testament theology teaches us today, and if we understand this, it will change the way that we pray. It will change the way that we think. And it will change the way that we act. No more prayers like, come Holy Spirit. We love to sing it. I can remember singing songs, come Holy Spirit, which were awesome. But theologically, He's come. He's here. I, he's not the problem. Amen? I'm the problem. You and I need to take responsibility for the lack of evidence of God's power in our lives. <clears throat> because when we pray, God, come and revive us as a nation, we should be saying, Lord, revive me. Change my mind. Change my heart so that revival can come through me. Amen. God is not just going to go behind our backs. He wants us. He designed us. He purposed for us to be the vehicle in this age for His Spirit to move in power. Because the danger is when we pray what we think are great prayers, and I'm, again, I'll put my hand up, I'm guilty. Lord, send revival. You know what he's actually saying? But you're there. You just don't realize that I've called you to do it. I've put my most precious gift in your life. My Holy Spirit to empower you. Not just to, to, to change as a person and grow and become more godly. But to live a life that is profoundly impactful in the earth. It's not prime ministers or governments or, or God's wonderful timing one day that's going to change Jersey or our home or our family or our school. It's you and me living empowered. I want you to get that today because I feel like God's revealing that increasingly to me. We need to think about how can I become 
a big flow pipe for the Holy Spirit. Because the problem is not God's timing. The problem is not someone else. The problem's me. I'm living my life in such a way that spiritually my arteries are clogged with cholesterol. And I'm wondering why I'm not seeing God flow through me. Because I'm living in sin. Or I'm ignorant. Or I'm just unwilling. Or I'm hurt and I'm broken. God's goal is to heal us and to to be like Quaker oats, cleansing the cholesterol out of our hardened arteries spiritually, so that our arteries are open for his heart to beat through us. So he calls us to make every effort and to keep adding to our faith in increasing measure. You know what that says to me when you listen to that language? There's no getting off the hook. There's no resting from serving the Lord. There's no pointing at other people. We just need to keep looking at what God's wanting to do in me and through me and relying upon him for his grace and his strength in our lives. So the question really, I think, at the end of the day is how can I increase my synergy with God? How can I increase the flow of the Holy Spirit? Because this is, this is the real business, isn't it? How can I become a vessel that God works in, and more importantly, for the purpose of working through me, and saving people in this island and in the four corners of the earth? What can I do? And I know you're sitting there and I'm thinking, you're probably thinking, James, come on now. There's a secret that you've just learned from the Lord. And it's nothing I've heard before. And you're about to say it. And whoa! It's all going to happen. Sorry. I'm going to disappoint you right now. Let me, let me talk of some really practical things that are going to help us. Amen? The first thing is, decide today to deal decisively with the sin in your life. <clears throat> We all have our little pets. Areas in our lives where the devil tempts us because we've struggled in those areas. And we have to be honest with ourselves and say we've been playing with that pet and we've been feeding that little pet. And what we thought was a little dog is actually a lion in our lives. And so we have to deal decisively with sin because sin is like cholesterol. It builds up in our spiritual arteries and restricts the flow of the Holy Spirit. It's really practical, you know. Sin is damaging. And, and until we really get the idea, uh, it's going to keep damaging us and those around us. You can't live a lifestyle and expect God to do things consistently through you when you're living in sin. You know, he's awesome, and in spite of us, he does things. But actually, he wants us to grow in godliness. And we will see more things happen when we come to Jesus and say, I want to deal with this thing in my life. And I'm going to do very practical things to prevent it from being able to rear its head. Because at the end of the day, it's hurting you. And it's hurting the people around you, even though they may not know it. 
and it's preventing God from being able to do what he wants to do through you. So deal with your sin decisively. Number two, grow in your understanding with God. This is quite a broad phrase, but if I could break it down, I'd like to say the first thing and the most important thing is, is pursue a precious relationship with Jesus. Don't get lulled into religion. Don't get lulled into rituals. Don't get lulled into, I've done it like this forever and it's just who I am. Jesus has a heartbeat and he wants you to put your head on his chest so you can feel it. You know, it's like a radio. He's speaking all the time. But when we really know him, we tune ourselves in. We take the time to turn the dial down, to, to get rid of the white noise. And man, we hear stuff like we never heard it before. Uh, it's our correct understanding of the word, I talked about that. We need to pray consistently and boldly, faith-filled prayers. Not, I'm waiting for you, Lord, to do your thing, but God, I'm going now in faith. Please help me. Amen? We need to live with a worshipful heart. It doesn't matter if you're a brute of a man or a sensitive woman. We are called to have a worshipful heart towards God. And we need to work hard at having a surrendered and worshipful heart towards Him. Um, and my last point, so I've talked about deal with our sin decisively, grow in our understanding of God. And the third is build your testimony of God's faithfulness. Build your testimony. You can do something today to put yourself in a place where effectively you're saying, God, if you don't come through right now, I'm finished. Personally, in my walk with you, I am going to take leaps of faith. I'm going to trust you financially. I'm going to go places I've never been before. Uh, I might not be able to explain how it's all going to work. But God, I trust that you are good, that you're calling me, that you'll come through when I need you. And as you put yourself out there, what I'm essentially saying is it's a, a challenge for you and I to live outside of our comfort zone. I don't know what your comfort zone looks like or where the parameters are in terms of how much you trust God to work in your life and through your life. But what I'm saying is he won't do big things if you don't give him the opportunity. And so it might mean that you fail. But at least you tried. Amen. And uh, the only people who never achieve anything for the Lord are those who never tried. So we talked about this whole idea of failing forward. If we learn from our mistakes, it's all good. If we learn from our failures, it propels us forward more effectively. So I'm going to finish there. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcasts on iTunes. And please consider supporting this ministry financially by making a donation on the giving page of leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.